please. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Grown Kid Book Club. After significant technological difficulties, we're back in action. Happy to be recording. This is a podcast about two overjoyed uh, uh, parents. Um, we're not besieged this time? Okay, well, it was beleaguered. Oh, sorry. Um, so please don't Beleaguered and besieged are very similar you, in definition. I don't agree. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about Are You My Mother by P.D. Eastman. Before we get started, though, I really do want to say thank you so much to the, the <laughs> nearly half a dozen of you who tuned in and listened to our last episode. Half a dozen. <laughs> it's, I promise we won't let this fame go to our head. Um, we have been approached by a number of sponsors, so we're still trying to decide between Pepsi and Coke, the NFL and the NHL. Who do we want to partner with? Um, are we going to choose uh, Courtney or Chloe? Um, to side with in the I know nothing about the Kardashians. I'm yeah, sorry. so this is the attempt to be like culturally relevant outside of the nerdy sphere, and I think it just bombed. I know that one of them is married to Kanye. I don't think it was either of them. One of the Kardashians is married to Kanye. Yes, but neither Chloe nor Courtney. Is it Kim? Is it Kim the mom? <laughs> I actually don't know. Hold on, this is going to bother me. <laughs> clickety, clackety, clackety, I should clack. know this. Who is married to Kanye You should at West. least know this. Um, Kim Kardashian? Oh, it was right. Kim? Kim Kardashian. Okay. okay, now then, the mom's name? Then know. Courtney's the mom or Chloe's the mom? No, know. Chris the... is the mom. Chris is the mom. I know Chris. that. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Anyways, we're here to talk about... <laughs> this is a podcast where... To overjoyed, uh, sprightly uh, oh, parents, um, starting over, who <laughs> uh, provide literary criticism and analysis of the books that we read our toddler. And what do, what do you want to uh, this week? Well, we've already said this. Okay, fine. So we can say it again. Okay, so uh, what we? Oh, uh, my name is Luke. And my name's Holly. And something that we found out slash realized we forgot to do last time was introduce ourselves and explain what our sort of credentials are. Um, Luke gave me the go-ahead because he's drinking water. Um, I graduated with a degree in political science and Greek and Latin. And essentially how that is relevant to this is that it involves a lot of comparative literature and a lot of analyzing pieces and synthesizing, synthesizing them together All into... Right, well, we're not comparing literature. We're just analyzing literature here. So it seems like your credentials aren't really relevant to this uh, particular Comparative podcast. literature requires analysis. And we're... I mean, yeah, but like compare... Like, no, no, no. I want you to think about like, the way I approach this. I totally approached it from a comparative lit approach. I mean... Lord of the Rings, Narnia, apples and oranges. Not you can't just pick, you can't just pick up one thing and compare it to nothing. And we're just, I'm just saying, I don't know that your qualifications are really what we're looking for here on Grown Kid Book Club. I've also been a writer (laughs) for a very long time, almost pretty much decades at this point. Uh, So I've studied the art of storytelling for a very long time, and it is one of my passions. And so. I have a lot of credentials for talking about the books. That was to Luke. 
fine. Uh, my credentials are I've read this book like 7,000 times in the last month because our daughter uh, adores it. So I know everything about it. Uh, I have bathed in its <clears throat> message and I have uh, let its message watch, wash over me. I feel the, uh, the rumblings it creates as it travels through the universe and I feel its message deep in my soul. Um, thankfully, she's taken a break from it for the past week, which was nice because I was really irritated about the technical difficulties from last time. And so it was nice to not have that reminder. Oh, also, I have a degree in English literature, and I just graduated from law school, so. Law school isn't relevant, Luke. It's really not. I don't even know why I mentioned it. Um, Okay, so plot-wise, what happens in, just very, very generally and briefly, what happens? Well, I am known for being most concise. (laughs) (laughs) That was sarcasm. Um, Essentially, what happens, and are you my mother? Okay. <laughs> Essentially, but it's explaining the... Okay. What happens in Are You My Mother is that there's Mother Bird who hatch, has an egg, and she's like, oh, my baby's going to hatch. I have to go get it some food. So she flies away to go get her baby some food because she didn't plan ahead. Um, and then the baby hatches while she's gone, and it's like, where's my mom? Wow, you have one kid, and all of a sudden you can criticize how other mothers raise their children. Oh, she didn't plan ahead. She um... The baby bird hatches and immediately begins a search for his mom. The baby bird falls from the nest. That's a key point we'll address later. And And he goes to a kitten, a hen, a cow, a dog. Wrong order, but okay. Is that the right? Oh, a dog and then a cow. Yeah. Right. And then that's all the animals, right? Yes, but before he gets to the kitten, he's looking for his mom. No, 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 he... no. Analysis comes later. We're just doing plot. No, he literally now. walks right past his mom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't interrupt me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so, walks past mom, all the animals then... he listed. Then he comes up upon a really beat up car, a boat, a plane, and then a tractor that he calls a snort and has asked every single one of these creatures with the exception of his actual mom, and machines, are you my mother? And then the tractor, in a very deus ex machina fashion, drops him back in his nest right before his mother comes back. That is the the plot. Yes. In a nutshell. All right, so what about this uh, really stood out to you? What do you think was the main message of Grown Kid Book Club? Not of Grown Kid Book Club. Of, <laughs> uh, are you my mother? Uh, what's, what's worth digging into here? Um... Well, it's a really, really, really clear representation of the journey of idolatry that humanity likes to take and the perils of idolatry and how ultimately the only provision and safety and sense of home is found by going back to God. So the, so the mother is a stand-in for God here is what you're saying. Yeah, okay. as a stand-in. Well, it sounds like you're really stealing from my analysis of Harold and the Purple I said Planet. a stand-in. I did not say great god mother bird. Okay, well, it, I, mean, I mean, it's derivative at the very least. It's not derivative. Okay, you, uh, sorry, We're talking about symbology. I, I, symbology? Do you mean symbolism? <laughs> Both are the thing. No, no. Yes, I'm going to look it up. Okay, fine. I'm pretty sure that is... Uh, from so what's your take (laughs) 
Okay, symbology is a thing, but it's the use of symbols, not simply. That's exactly what I was saying. Okay, whatever. Um, So that's that's great. I like your take. It's wrong. Um, So the mother bird is wearing a babushka scarf, which uh, babushka is actually a term used to refer to Russian and Romanian grandmothers. But it actually originated uh, with the term babushka from the term babushka scarf. And so, if you imagine a, a Russian grandmother wearing a scarf, that's a babushka. You call it, and it became so common that the name became the thing. Uh, so, Russian, Eastern European grandmothers are colloquial, colloquially referred to as babushkas. Correct. So, because of that, the bird rec- uh, represents Mother Russia. The mama bird represents Mother Russia. She lays a golden egg that's much too big for her, which is uh, representative of the Riaba hen, if I'm remembering correctly. It's been a while since I looked at my notes. But basically, it's a... uh, Yeah, Riaba hen. Um, It's a Russian folktale where um, there's a golden egg, and there's the mother bird, and there's a mouse, and it's all represent... It's not really important for our purposes. But it is a stand-in for um it, it's a it's a clue left by pd eastman that indicates that uh the nest and the mother are meant to represent the motherland and mother russia itself and really uh since we're there and this was written in 1961 um communism as a whole right yeah um all right so what now that we have our foundation um what, what else, what do you think about the journey that the baby bird undertakes? What does that represent? What does each uh, creature or piece of Well, it's not, represent? so I'm not going to like say the kitten is Isis, the Egyptian goddess of, I think it's fertility. Um, I'm not going to be that specific because it's a more general thing. Isn't um, it Bastis? N- no. Bast is the cat goddess. Isis was the wife of um, Osiris, the mother of Horus, the same Horus who is later like inhabiting the pharaohs, that the pharaohs are a reincarnation or kind of like an incarnation of. And the wife, remember the same Osiris who gets like split up by Set? So there's all that. I did not know Isis was a cat. Isis is not a cat. Okay, then why are you saying that the kitten is Isis when because it would make more sense so, that the oh, cat I was is just, Bast? I wasn't saying that the kitten's Isis. I was just throwing an example of what I'm not going to do. Okay, well, it, I mean, it's much more clearly like the... I was just associating the cat, like, with Egyptian gods. Okay. I'm I sorry, like, I should have like gone with Bast. I feel like you could have been more clear. Um, essentially, <laughs> first, um, the baby falls from the nest. The baby, instead of resting in the mother's wisdom to wait for her to come back and provide, because she's calling her way back. She's literally pulling a worm out of the dirt as we speak. The baby goes its own way. Very stereotypical of humanity's like, we're going to do our own thing approach and falls from the nest. Fall with a capital F. So the nest represents Eden in your analysis. Or the trust and relationship with God. Okay. All right. Not going to say specifically Eden, but that sort of like place where there's community with God. Okay. So baby bird falls. Baby bird begins this journey to find baby bird knows that there's a God and that there's supposed to be someone that is providing for him and that he needs to rely on and look for and find comfort in. 
And so Baby Bird sets off on this journey to find his mother. Literally walks right past his mother. You've already, I mean... As she's taking care of him, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, pretty key. Humans tend to do this a lot. And then encounters the kitten, which is representative. What was interesting about the kitten actually was not actually whether or not it represented a particular god or goddess. It was that the kitten doesn't speak. And that is actually representative of just the idols in general that humanity tends to make. These idols of wood and stone and metal that can't say anything. They're just absolutely silent. They're just images that humanity has made and pretends that they are God. So then um, the baby bird moves on and encounters various other animals that are basically different iterations of the whole God idea. And they're like, no, I'm not your mother. I'm not God. You can't rely on me. I'm not someone to be relied on. Well, I mean, it was a good first try for literary analysis. Oh my gosh, the glares that I get. Um, so I, I actually disagree. I think that the uh, the kitten does represent Egypt very specifically. Because if we take the nest and the mother bird to be Mother Russia and communism by extension, then this is sort of a prodigal son situation where the baby bird leaves the nest uh, and then goes to different animals which represent different nations. Uh, seeking to find um, a home, seeking to find meaning, seeking to find uh, fulfillment from these other nations. And so it goes to uh, the cat, which represents Egypt. And Egypt and the Soviet Union had a a long history dating back to the 16th century. That's right, folks. I did more research this time. Uh, It goes to the... The Soviet Union had a history with Egypt. The Soviet Union had a history with Egypt going back to the 16th century? Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Well, pride comes before the fall. Let's move on. (laughs) The dog, which represents, um, or I'm sorry, the hen, which represents uh, France, the Gallic rooster. Is that the right Gallic rooster? Yeah. Uh, it goes to the dog, which uh, closely represents an English hunting dog, so Britain. And then it goes to the cow, which can either represent India or the United States. It really just depends on like how you want to read that particular How thing. vegetarian you are. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, what you take as these abstract uh, idols um, or symbols, symbologies, uh, is actually a very literal uh, stand-in for the nations that he goes to and explores. Uh, in a way, he defected from Mother Russia and is looking for someone else to support and to throw himself behind. Okay. Um, weirdly specific for P.D. Eastman to go through, like, why not China? Why well, is there no China? Uh, you know, uh, I can't speak for him specifically, uh, but I do know that... Um, he was uh, a student of the author who was Dr. Seuss um, in Massachusetts. As we all know, there uh, is a huge Russian enclave in Massachusetts. Um, little Munich is just like right there uh, near, near Harvard. <laughs> yep, <laughs> Little Munich where all the Russians live. <laughs> he means Little Moscow for little, those of you wondering. Where's Where's Munich, then? Germany. Oh. Whatever. 
Okay. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, like geology was never really my strong suit. It does happen to be one of mine. <laughs> so what do the um, the pieces of technology that the baby bird goes to So find? with the tech, that's actually like, so the baby bird first comes across the car. And the car is like the start of like the technological revolution. Um, and what's really interesting about the car is that it's completely broken down. Technology is there, but tech, we cannot rely on technology. It breaks down. It rusts. It can be destroyed by time and weather and erosion. And it's not something that we relied on. And the baby bird for a second tries to rely on it, but thankfully for the baby bird, figures it out before a lot of other people that technology cannot be depended upon. So then the baby bird moves forward and encounters the boat. And the boat is commerce and trade and the accumulation of money and the finance sector. And that's, oh, I will trust in money. I will trust in the capitalist system or whatever other financial system or economic system that um, the humanity wants to rely on in the time. But the boat is not its mother either. And the boat leaves. It like continues on its way. Economy and money is a machine that cares for no one and just moves forward and plows forward without stopping to take the time to show compassion. Then the baby bird encounters the plane, which represents Western humanities and maybe humanity in general's preoccupation with the idea of traveling, seeing the world, and especially the millennial preoccupation with being able to go wherever you want, whenever you want. So the the book uh, written by a scholar in Massachusetts in 1961 <laughs> is focusing on the millennial fascination with travel. Interesting. Tell me more. It is actually not just a millennial thing. It is a... Um, basically having the luxury of travel and being able to explore the world and other cultures is a very human thing that's been in play for a long time. Just think about how frequently the upper class British would go and travel throughout Europe or like would go to India for just like a vacation when India was still under British imperialism. Finally, the baby comes up on the snort or the tractor. And it's interesting because of all of these things, this is the first thing that the baby bird has encountered that it doesn't know what it is and it makes up a name for it. And this represents that kind of like, the kind of like ethereal sense of human progress that's moving forward. And the baby bird is like, I'm gonna rely on this. You, this strange other, this future thing. You are my mother, surely it is you. And the snort is like, no. And the baby bird freaks out because it realizes when the snort like surprises it and kind of turns on it. It's like, oh my gosh, you're so not my mom. I mean, the snort doesn't, the tractor doesn't turn on the baby bird though. The baby bird, the snort turns on and drops the baby bird back in the nest. Yeah, but it turns on the baby bird's expectations. Like Mm. literally like the baby bird like climbs on it like your mom. And then it starts like moving and growling. And it's like, where are you taking me? Oh my gosh, my life is over. I've been alive for like 50 seconds. So the the young man's journey uh, really shows how he actually becomes uh, an old man uh, because he couldn't explore all of these nations and truly deeply delve into all of these mindsets. Uh, and I agree with you, by the way, on what everything represents. The the car represents capitalism and trade and travel and money and et cetera, et cetera. We don't really need to delve any more into that. You said it perfectly. But it's through the lens of this young Russian man um, and finally, when we get to the snort, which is really where we depart, I think, 
I think this is P.D. Eastman showing us how this young man uh, really bemoaning how far he's come from communism and the bosom of Mother Russia constructs a time machine uh, to bring himself back to the nest uh, before his mother even returns so he can live his full life and rely on <laughs> and he can rely on communism uh, once again. He doesn't build it though. He doesn't even know what it is. I mean, not everything can uh, be uh, portrayed exactly as it happened uh, in the book, but I do think that you're right that it's it's significant that he doesn't know what to call the uh, the tractor, and so he calls it a snort, which I think is just meant to illustrate that P.D. Eastman really didn't want to reveal the designs for this time machine that, <laughs> I'm, that he had built in a warehouse outside of... Um, P.D. Eastman is H.G. Wells. Uh, yeah, so they were uh, contemporaries. They worked very closely together. He was eaten. Are they called the Morlocks? Morlocks? Morlock? I feel like they're Morlocks. I think it's Morlocks. That this does sound right. The, we're discussing the, the Time Machine uh, by, by H.G. Wells. Wells where the, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. We got criticism that some of our That's stuff was P.D. too That's how P.D. Eastman died. He was eaten by the cannibal creatures of the Time Machine world. Of which Dr. Seuss was one, actually. Little known fact. You kind of have to read between the lines of the Wikipedia page, but it's there. Is there anything else you want to talk about <laughs> about the book? So something that I actually really enjoy is the deus ex machina nature of the tractor. And yes, the tractor is this, it's this thing that the baby bird tries to worship as like this sense of progress. What's really interesting is how even that idol that the baby bird attempts to worship and like give credence to as its mother is still used to bring the baby bird back in a very providential way. It's literally a machine. Okay, technically deus ex machina is God from the machine. So like the machine on top of the Greek theater would like lower the actor portraying the god or goddess to the stage. But over time, it has come to mean like anything that is a convenient way to resolve the plot. And so... This deus ex machina, this literal machine, is used to carry the baby bird back to mother, back to its god, just as the baby bird, sh- just as the mother gets there. And the baby bird's like, I recognize you. I've been through so many terrible things and seen all these things that weren't you that betrayed me. I finally am able to know who you are. And I think it's really beautiful how he embraces communism as truly in line with human nature. And he can uh, return to the, buzz- the bosom of Mother Russia and the Soviet Union and uh, what really is a stirring condemnation of capitalism. So you keep saying, like, Mother Russia essentially equates communism. I mean, it was 1961. It was the height of the Soviet Union. Okay, but that's also, like, Cuba, China, North Korea. There's a lot of other communist nations at that point. I mean, true, but none of them were white, so they were doing it wrong. (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's horrible. Thank you so much for joining us this week, folks. (laughs) Next week, we're going to be uh, reading uh, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, which I don't remember the author's name, but he is... um, I think it's a woman. uh, She, they, are uh, intensely, intensely anti-immigration and a little racist, if we're going to be honest, because uh, it's, a, it's a story about how, you know, give them an inch and they take a mile. Definitely getting the giving an inch, taking a mile vibe, but I think it's more about the welfare state. 
Well, you'll have to tune in next week to hear that discussion. Or By next know, week. Or, you know, a month from now. <laughs> We're busy, folks. There's a lot. I'm studying for the bar. There's a two-year-old. Uh, we have a two-year-old. Uh, Holly's pregnant again, so that's fun. I'm still teaching three more weeks of school. That's pretty exciting. Anyways, now we'll have some outro music. Oh, man, we didn't do an ad break. You want to do an ad break? Thank you to our listeners. Oh, man. We couldn't do it without all your donations and visit us on our Patreon. doesn't exist yet. The, to those of you who have... Oh, gosh. To the, the stray cat that drops dead rats and mice at our back door. Oh, gosh. We wouldn't be that able to eat without you. non-existent, invisible back door. Um, to the, the goat that wanders the neighborhood that we can occasionally pin down and get some goat's milk from. Gosh. It's the first time I've had not dirty water in weeks. All right. Thank you. And good night. Grown Kid Book Club.